clear. We are the weirdos. I am God. What? I tried to warn her. Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to your favorite horror-capturing, culture-incisively-analyzing podcast, Pods Tyrion. It is I, Jordan Cruciola. And I, Sam Weinman. And we are here with another one of our special little timely treats. We are here with something that is not from the aughts, but might as well be. Yeah, I would say, like, at this point, it's, it's, I, I feel like it's as much a part of our identity here that we take, we take current properties that have aughts roots, like, incredibly aughts roots, and we set them alongside our analysis pieces of our historical artifacts. And I, for one, think that keeps our conversations fresh. I don't. I think it, I think it ruins them. And I am here to put a stop to it today. I'm we are we are ending this now, Jordan. <laughs> I'm here to be I'm here to be 50 minutes of dead fucking air while you try and drag anything out of me. Yeah, no, good see, luck. That would be much like much like the worst squishmallows, <gasps> much like the worst plush toys. Yes. I feel like that would be it would start out as like, no, Jordan, I've come here to put a stop to it, and you would just commit to it so much that you would then produce some of your best content yet. <laughs> like the episode where I forgot to record audio or had trouble with it and then had yeah. to go back and just ghost it. Go, yeah. Or, and, yeah. and one of the hardest to have done that with because we had a guest. We had a guest and it was coordinated and had to be scheduled. And then you had to you had to Mario Kart ghost race the episode on your own. One of our best episodes, friends. If you want to watch. I, it, uh, in, actually, and it's a holiday experience. episode. Was that? Well, because it's inside, and that takes place on Christmas Eve. Oh, you're so right. You're well, so here, right. I will tell you, the longest I would make it is the second we start. You start talking about Addison Ray, and I would, I would have to talk. <laughs> yeah. Because friends, we are here to talk about Eli Roth's 2023 Thanksgiving. I used to love this town until what happened that night. One of my favorite movies of the year. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I fucking loved it. I've seen it twice. I had a blast. I, I told people I was like who I was I was going to go see it. And they were like, oh, I've been really excited about that. Like, let me know how it is. And I got back and I was like, I'll go see it with you. Want to see it tomorrow? Like, I've got a list. Like, I've paid for it already. Want to go? I, I have a question for you. Because yeah. it was t- told to me, and I wish I could credit whoever said this first. I'm sure it was somewhere on TikTok. But it's like... That Thanksgiving is like a 2000s era slasher remake of the Thanksgiving trailer from Grindhouse. This holiday season, prepare to have the stuffing scared out of you. Thanksgiving. Uh, that's a really good point. That's actually a really great point. And it... It's Be- so interesting that, like, because, like, Eli Roth directed that. Like, that was his original yes. concept, right? Like, yes. the trailer. This all comes from, for those who don't know, a trailer in Grindhouse mm-hmm. um, and for a movie called Thanksgiving, which was, like, very done. It was done very much in the style of, like, I feel like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre totally. into, like, 1981 slasher. Like, kind of that era. Like, low budget slash. Like, this is, I, and this is something, and, and this, I'm not, I'm not, like, the, I'm not the biggest Eli Roth fan. I have a lot of problems with him. Um, as a figure and as a creator, um, I will say that this, I've settled on that this is my favorite movie of his. I 
I need a little bit more time because I love Hostel 2 so much. And Hostel 2 would be the immediate. Like, if there was a conversation for what would this surpass, it's Hostel 2. Like, Cabin Fever is not it. Green nope. Inferno is not it. I, Hard pass. I, I hate Knock Knock. Like, I... So And like, I'm definitely not into the first Hostel. No. And Honestly... Like, I can... Ab- the, hostel 1 exists, so we can have Hostel 2. Here's what I'm not thankful for. Liking mm-hmm. two of his movies this much. That's so... And isn't that <laughs> I didn't just, see that coming. And isn't that just such a perfect... And this is like a real closing episode kind of, but like, isn't that just exactly the epitome of an Ozterion conversation? My God, yes. Where we yes. take something regrettable yep. and we're like, but you know what? We would be assholes to just say you can you throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's a lot more specificity to each thing except and you know know how i feel about babies yeah out with the bathwater baby pov or get him out of here (laughs) dot baby or get it out of here yeah give me dot baby and a a fetus pov or it's over you can end your website in dot baby i just want you you guys know know that that. like we could have a we would be oh my god we should do otsterion dot baby (laughs) <laughs> that i mean that i wish we it. could do if we could do dot baby pov that would be us <laughs> dot baby dot pov and absolutely like, when i sat down for thanksgiving i was ready to not like this movie and uh-huh. I, I obviously to go in and have a good time in the way that we have a good time but do you know when you like sometimes i went in i went in hopeful not generous yes not generous at all well said i was ready to like kind of like poke fun a little bit like you know the way that you go into like I don't know, a Blumhouse Halloween movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet, I was so pleasantly surprised. I was so pleasantly surprised. And not because, like, guys, this isn't me being like, this reinvented the fucking slasher, you guys. Yeah. Like, this no, no, is no, no, it. No. Like, this is the blueprint. No. This movie accomplishes exactly what it sets out to do. Bingo. And what it sets out to do is be Eli Roth at a kind of most enjoyable way. And I'm so, like... What I like the idea of this being an aughts remake of the trailer for what that would have the movie that would have existed actually from the trailer for Thanksgiving. I am so glad he did not make the movie from that trailer because I don't trust him to give me a 70s ripoff exploitation movie because he's going to make a kind of dirty that I don't want to sit through. It's going to make me uncomfortable. It's yeah. going to make me feel unsafe. Like, I don't want to sit, like, the actual trailer, like, the, like those images were so great in little bursts that you got them. Mm-hmm. But, like, what he has proven for me in, like, his sensibility and his preferences is that, like, that movie would make me feel shitty. And, like, somebody, like, a, if, hey, it doesn't happen from the trailer, guys, I'm going to, like, from the Thanksgiving trailer, like, from the Grindhouse movies, nobody fucks the body of a human roasted turkey like isn't that wonderful i'm so glad that didn't happen in this movie and i don't want a movie from him where that's the vibe i want this aughts fun style of movie from eli roth with little notes here and there that show me he he is a person who exists in 2023 and it's not just like hey guys wouldn't it be great if we didn't give a shit about anything just like it we did in the aughts still? Like, I'm glad that's done. I, it's something, you know, what I can, this is what I'm surprised it's not. Um, Joe Bob Briggs. 
Like, you know how, like, when you watch Joe Bob, it's supposed to be... That is it's a like, very good point. It's, like, the closest you can be to being a Republican without being a Republican. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's when like, you're Republican curious, but you can't commit. Sorry, friends. I know a lot of you love him. It's fine. We can still be friends. I just... <laughs> it's, like, sitting down for, like, uh, like no, this is this is how the mutant fam sees it. You know? And it's, like... Yeah. I get it. I it, But, like... I'm sorry it doesn't excuse some of those things that you desperately want to cling on to that just aren't okay anymore. You know? Yeah, like, there's, there's a, there's, like, some, it's not a word I like. Some people can say, some people can say the word titties, and it's like, I'm with you in your cheekiness, and you're probably queer, and I feel okay about it. Other people say it, and I'm like, that was a sex crime you just committed by saying that <laughs> word. And that's yeah. how I, like, that to me, the, the tone to me that feels like a sex crime is the tone that comes from an Eli Roth movie, historically. Seeing, like, I feel like a great example of where this movie goes that I want to be is the performance that Rick Hoffman, who plays, like, the big box store owner, where there is a stampede that is the catalyzing event for a killer rising and becoming the plot of the movie Thanksgiving. Rick Hoffman, who plays Lewis in Suits, he's, the he's like, the glearing, he's, like, the leering wide-toothed psychopath from the end of Hostel 1 that, like, is just so pure upsetting that I think um, our main character encounters in, like, the locker room, like, while he's changing. There's a kind of, like, mania and madness that comes from that character in Hostel 1 that I feel like really embodies the Eli Roth grinning psychopath, like, tone and aesthetic. And that guy in this movie, almost 20 years later, he's playing a fucking dad. Who has, like, a redemption arc. Like, Wild. he's the shitty capitalist business owner. But then he's, like, the dad who's trying to have a heart of gold and, like, apologizes to his daughter at a certain point for not being emotionally available to her after the death of her mother. Like, that is, to me, watching an Eli Roth movie in the 2000s versus apparently watching an Eli Roth movie in 2023. Did I expect to see a man apologizing correctly in an Eli Roth film? No. I didn't, friend. Did I, I expect didn't. to see a man caring enough to apologize? No. That's the easiest thing in that script to cut. And yet there it was. And I mean, it, there it was. I was like, okay. I, I will say, so he is, uh, when we, we open in this film on him at the head of the table in his home, his like yeah, surrounded by, because he's the owner of Right Mart and it is Thanksgiving. Um, he has decided because of his uh, new wife, like his younger, hotter trophy wife, um, that they are going to open on Thanksgiving, much to the town's dismay. So this opening scene um, reminds me of the opening scene from Santa's Sleigh. And it's where we meet Dad from Wright Mart's entire family. Um, mm-hmm. So I was going into this because once we saw him and I'm like, that's a recognizable face. And then yeah. we started getting introduced to the cast. I'm like, oh, no, everybody's going to die in the opening. Just like in Santa's Sleigh. Like when that they kill exactly Fran Drescher and everybody. Right? It has that feel. Yes. And yes. yet we actually are legitimately meeting our cast. <laughs> so we got... just. You're going to go on in the description. All I have to say to support it is this is one of my favorite openings to a horror movie in a very long time. Couldn't agree more. I, I, that walking away, I was like, holy shit. I mean, because I I was wondering if we were going to get a real Halloween ends situation where the opening, even though I enjoyed Halloween ends, the opening really writes a check that that movie can't cash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even really liking Halloween ends, which I really do, that is. One of the best horror movie. I'm going to say that's one of the best slasher movie openings of all time. I agree. Of all time. Of all time. I think it's just such a good fucking cold open. 
And I think this is up there with the great cold opens, at least of this decade. I completely agree. I think this is... I would, if I was, you know what? That's actually kind of fun list. What are the what are the definitive horror cold opens of the twenty oh first century? Because it's such a unique thing to horror. Yeah, that's actually I. Now I'm thinking about that. I would put this one in that conversation. I would definitely. I mean, obviously, number one on that list is Scream because it operates as a complete short film, right? Yeah. And then everything and you're that about, And you're talking about five with like Jenna Ortega, right? I mean, I'm talking about Scream one uh, in terms oh, of oh, best I of would, all time. Sorry. Oh, I was just thinking 21st century, but of all time. Oh, yeah. Of oh, all time? 21st century. Right, right, right. Of all time, it's like when a stranger calls and scream. Like, that's. Hello. Have you checked the children? Robert, I don't think this is very funny. Bobby. Who is this? God, when a stranger calls, well said. Because then there's a whole movie after the opening scene of when a stranger calls that you don't know about. Right, and nobody knows about because we just forget. Yeah, because that when opening a... scene's also like a fucking half an hour long. Right, when a stranger calls too, though, guys, watch it. So yeah, truly, in this in this opening, we get two different families. We get like the rich family, which is where we meet our final girl, Jess. Hi, Black Christmas reference, which is cute because there's actually a bunch. I normally references really bother me in films because mm-hmm. not normally like, they didn't used to, but now that they're beating you over the head with it, and oh, you're gonna God. get characters which are like you know, I don't even know. I I can't Sydney even reference weathers the- or some yeah, shit like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. It's like so obvious that it's like please go home. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, in this movie, there it's like it opens with a shot that's like very either Halloween or Black Christmas, like yeah. POV walking up to the house. There's like like when you pull the door handle, the door handle is a hockey stick. Yeah. You know, it's you the get holiday. like a sense of you get such a sense of place from yes. the opening of this movie. You're like, oh, I am in Plymouth, Massachusetts. I and and by the way, love that this place is set in Plymouth. I have you been to Plymouth? I have never been to Plymouth. Friend, Plymouth Rock is so small. I remember That's... being. I got. I, I'm sorry, but I remember being a kid going. I used to live on the East Coast, so you know, you make these like school trips to different uh, places. Yeah, I'm sure you have the pilgrimage to all of our founding fathers, like important landmarks. Yeah. Two biggest thoughts. One, Plymouth Rock is so small. Did you guys really land on that rock? I feel like there <laughs> yeah. were so many other rocks. That's just you a know baby. the ships were big. You know those ships were big. That's dot baby of a rock. A dot baby. A dot baby rock. Plymouth, Plymouth Rock dot baby. Plymouth Rock dot baby. Two. <laughs> There's a moment in this film, guys, and we'll get there, but that that they're going to shoot a commercial in an old antique house, like yeah. or, or like a historical landmark. And yeah. Plymouth is full of historical landmark houses, which is great because when you walk in, the people that live there were three and a half feet tall. <laughs> and it's like yeah. everybody that lived in Plymouth was so small. You can be a kid and bang your head on the ceiling. So I was like, I would have loved for that joke. And unfortunately, it's a regular person sized house. But I was like, fuck, I just want I wish that the killer was hiding out in a historical landmark, just like folding himself into a yeah, door frame. A, a 2020 sized person in a, in yes. a 1620 sized house. Be so incredible if during a chase sequence, they just can't leave because they can't fit out the door. <laughs> So the clown car is stuck inside. We get two. We get the two families. The rich family. We've got Jess, our final girl. We've got her boyfriend Bobby, whose hair is pushed back in a way that is so not sexy. When this guy's so hot. Yeah, like I. That was like I was like he doesn't have bad hair, but there's something happening with his hair that is really, really throwing me off right now. But then you see him later in the movie when he doesn't have a surprise. It, it looks like he has one of those headbands in from the '90s, yes! that was like a zigzagging. I was comb. looking for it. It looked I like I was looking that. for it. I was like, what's going on? 
But then you see him later and you're like, there's hot Bobby. Yeah. There's hot golden arm Bobby Destazi. So golden arm Bobby, who is just like football hero, terrible hair, but nobody baseball. cares because baseball, because he throws yep. such a good ball. Strike. <laughs> yeah. He throws a 96 mile an hour fastball, bitch. And he's just a junior in high school. Friends, I'll be here all day to talk to you about sports. <laughs> yeah. Ask me anything. Yeah. He's a jock. Seen this movie he's twice. He's a bit of a jock. Didn't even know what sport he played. <laughs> you know it makes the scene where he throws a hammer through a window make a lot more sense it does it, it, i bet it makes the pads that evan and scuba are wearing make a bit more sense as well when they're about ready to go on the field oh you don't wear pads in baseball huh <laughs> you should wear more sports are dangerous i don't know i feel like you're in high school guys just throw each other around don't they all wear pads <laughs> i don't know <laughs> they should they're not protected enough so so you know he's he's at this, they're at this thing. We're meeting the people. The people that I, I think the most important person that we should talk about just to meet is Kathleen. Oh yeah, Kathleen. What a what a surprisingly rich character Kathleen is. Because Kathleen is the facelift stepmom of Jess. Mm-hmm. She's the one who sold the big house to um, Jess's dad to Mister Wright. And look at that. In his grief as a widower, he snaps her up, and they get engaged, and she's married into probably the biggest family, like the richest family in town. And she is just cast as, like, the. she just looks hateable. Like, the movie yeah. oh, invites yeah. you to not like this woman and not root for this woman, which is great because that's what she's supposed to be. So, you know, but surprising layers to her character. Mm-hmm. So we get them in the opening scene. I love this moment. I can't not laugh at this because I know that this. Okay, so this is the thing that Thanksgiving does, I think, in terms of camp. There are moments where it pushes it over the edge. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's intentionally or not. doesn't matter to me because the balance feels right. But there's yeah. a moment where Jess is like, they make a comment about her mom. And she like literally in a close up pulls open the locket on her wrist that says, and opens it up. And inside it says mom. It says <laughs> and a, photo. It's like a photo of her mom that it looks like the back of her mom's head. Like there's just nothing there. <laughs> mom. And with her word, like not two photos, just like, just in case you weren't listening to the dialogue, guys. <laughs> it's mom. And I, I, that is one of the best laughs of the movie for me. I don't think they mean for us to be, but it's, it's there. So this is what we're getting into. And I feel like all that is like totally very good. So in the, meanwhile, there's another house, which first time through, didn't realize it was two houses. I was like, wow, this is a big party. The way it slips back and forth is like, it's a little bit like, oh, okay. We're we're kind of jumping back and forth between, between storylines here. Totally. Because Patrick Dempsey, the sheriff shows up to Gina Gershon's house party She's mm-hmm. married to some guy with a beard. Yeah, she's married to some guy with a beard who is uh, either the or a manager of the right mark. That's right. And guess what? Somebody called off sick on the night of Black Friday. So he's got to leave his Thanksgiving dinner with his wife, Gina Gershon, to go to the store. Because Kathleen mm-hmm. has decided that right mark would make more money if they opened on Thanksgiving night because people line up on Thanksgiving night anyways for the Black Friday mm-hmm. sales. So much to the town's dismay, uh, Jess's dad has decided to open Right Mart, fully pulling yeah. in and disrupting this other family's Thanksgiving dinner. And there, the 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 big incentive of Right Mart this year is come in and get a free waffle maker. Like come in and do your Black Friday shopping, yep. and we will give you a free waffle waffle maker when you walk in the door. And when we arrive at Right Mart, it is the beginning of a good old fashioned American Black Friday stampede. You have people rushing and teaming at the security rails to get into this store. And it is set up like a a Final Destination movie. In where you're seeing... You're absolutely right. It's like, where's the death trap going to come in? So, like, because 
you made a comment the first time we saw this, which I think was really well-timed. But when we meet all of the teens, we get Addison Mm. Rae in the car with Bobby, with with Jess, our lead. And then this other um, hot jockey guy who convincingly seems like he was taken right off of a football team. uh, Evan. And yeah, so, the boyfriends Evan and Scuba. And why do they call him Scuba? Because his last name is Dibing. And that is exactly how a jock gets a nickname. It, it is so real. The thing that Eli Roth does so well, and this is what you would... He does shitty people well. He... And that is... That to me... Or obnoxious. Is, that might have been what you said. Yeah. And that is, to me, my favorite part of this movie is how it does in the way that Eli Roth is so of the 2000s in where his sensibility fits extremely well and how it formed him and that era formed him in return. Like, how he formed that era and it formed him in return kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He's such a creature of that sensibility, of that, like, nihilism and that cruelty and that kind of selfishness and dickheadedness and obnoxiousness that to bring it into a movie that also feels fun to watch in 2023 is me getting my favorite little parts of the things that do feel so of that era that we don't get anymore, that I do miss that kind of mean streak. And because Eli does obnoxious, over-the-top people so well, when he's putting those moments in these movies and he's building his characters as we, like, learn about them through those kinds of demonstrations, they feel so real. And I gotta say... Like, we meet these teens in a car, right? They're going to a movie, but for some reason they decide on the... Well... (laughs) Addison Ray's character, Abby, needs a lipstick. So they're going to stop at the fucking at Black Right-Mart? Friday store. Yeah. At Right Mart. So they're going to stop at the Black Friday deals store to go get this. I mean, Suicide because, Mission to start with. But Jess's dad, it's his store. So they can get, they can go in through the side entrance. I get it. But yeah. like, guys, on Black Friday. On Black Friday. In, in like the idiocy of these teens, I can completely I believe, believe that. It. And as soon 100%. as Jess and Bobby... Yes, and as soon as Jess and Bobby get in the car together, they start, like, reliving how Evan kicks some guy's ass from the Hanover High School. And, like, when they break and do a chant in the car of, like, fuck Hanover, fuck Hanover, I was like, this is it. This is real. These are real teens. And I I, I have confirmed that Eli Roth is from Newton, Massachusetts. So (gasps) I am so glad he he took what he knows so well and he made a slasher pulp movie starring mass holes i'm so glad about Friend, that so i went to high school in new hampshire and i was yeah. telling jordan when we were watching this i'm like there are so many good accents in this and you rarely get good massachusetts accents that i was mm-hmm. like these people sound like they're from massachusetts and then it's like well maybe they were <laughs> or at least well, they had to pass the eli roth test because he's from massachusetts so he yeah. picked people who not only sounded like it, but they behaved like it. Like, it was like, wow, these performances. I went to high school with all of these men. And it also, a thing that Eli Roth has always been, I think one of the best signatures of his career is that Eli Roth has never leaned on stars almost ever. Obviously, in, like, Knock Knock, you have Keanu Reeves, who's a fucking star. But then the two women he puts alongside him in that are, and at that point, unknown Anna Diarmas. And an unknown Lorenzo Itzo. Like, that movie revolves around these two, by essentially star quality assessments, random actresses that he has put alongside, like, an enduring and sort of classic celebrity figure in Keanu Reeves. But, like, the ensemble in First Hostel. The ensemble in Second Hostel. The ensemble in Green Inferno, in Cabin Fever. 
none of those people from those collections of casts are really ones that you think of those breakout like novelty castings of star power that you see in the 2000s he really it really feels like eli roth always cast his movies from a cat from the casting call where whoever fit best he was gonna put them in these roles yeah. and then the sensation and basically the eli roth of it was going to carry these movies through and that like heather Matarazzo was the biggest star in hostel too yeah. She's dispatched early in the movie. Obviously, Scream features Drew Barrymore, and that like launched a cast of stars. But like, I think Ryder Strong is the right. biggest name in Cabin Fever, yeah. and that's Ryder Strong in the mid two thousands, not the mid nineties. Right. Like, and in this movie again, I I think he really nails it with committing to the cast that he wants for the roles, and not a paycheck cast where it's like, well, let's get because Addison's obviously a famous figure in a way. But she's not, like, putting Paris Hilton in your movie to build a marketing campaign around. Right, and she's not successful. It's She's not the the obvious choice, right? Because we no. did get um, She's the Man. Or no, uh, She's All That, sorry. And yeah. earlier, and Addison wasn't exactly praised for that film. No. And so seeing her in this role, to me, was a pleasant surprise because I think she's really I talented. So and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, a lot of that feeling comes from the song To Die For. I fucking love To Die For. Mm-hmm. I think it is a it is a pop masterpiece, Addison, um, and uh, and thank you for that. Thank you for finally releasing that. Um, but seeing her in this, I was like, okay, this is giving me that little buzz that I got when I saw Paris Hilton in in in, uh, in House of Wax. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, okay, am I gonna expect the world of her? No. Am I gonna delight every time I see her on screen? Absolutely. I, yeah, and is she going to fulfill exactly what this role needs? Yeah, it turns out she actually is. Yeah. When well, when we meet her in the car on the way to Right Mart, I'm like, I buy it. I a hundred percent. She was that character, and so yeah. I'm, I'm glad that when we meet her, the buy-in is high, right? Yeah. And so when they part uh, here, I do want to say, let's just depart for one second to talk about Black Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, you oh, know, you're friend. the one to talk about Black Friday, and I just have to say because because I have been waiting for years. To see Black Friday depicted in any amount of an accurate way in a film, <laughs> right? Because even last year's Black Friday with um, Devin Sawa, it was either last yeah. year or the year before, but it's just not Black Friday. It's like whenever it whenever it comes up in movies, it's like so close, but not it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It doesn't capture the feeling of that excitement. And with Black Friday dying um, in the slow and, and awful death that we've seen it die, um, yeah. I, I do think specifically this year, if anybody has spent any amount of time on tiktok i'm sure they've seen all of the shit that's come up where it's like um you know gen z is not buying it (laughs) they're like these are not real deals you can slide the sign back on the target sign and see that it's actually the regular price right like there whatever it's devolved into is not what it was it's a ghost of a uh, it's a it's a it's a phrase. It's no longer a date, right? Black Friday. Yeah, it is. It's the beginning on... of. It's now the be- the commerce beginning of the Christmas season. Right. It's yeah. it's an it's an essence. Black Friday is a Bath and Body Works spray. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. not. It's no longer um, an event. But what this movie does so cleverly is it still it turns Right Mart into an event. Now, am I saying that it is? This is how Black Friday is anywhere now. No. But no. what it is is accurately capturing what it has been in years past and putting it in this small town in this exact yeah. moment when this one store opens early and awful offers free waffle makers yeah <laughs> so because as black friday has changed through the years it was for a long time obviously just 
Black Friday, and then it would get open earlier and earlier, like five, four, three. Throughout the 2000s, really interestingly being a 2000s thing, but throughout the 2000s, stores actually did offer free free goods for showing up. Like I would go, so as somebody who professionally Black Fridays, I mean, I do this every year, guys, but I would I would go, you start at Target because Target would give you a free, for the first 100 people, just like in this one, it's like first 100 people get a uh, waffle maker. First 100 people in line at Target would get a gift bag and inside of the bag was like uh, were different snacks that you could eat because you got there early. They would walk around and pass out hot coffee, and there would be gift cards, Target gift cards, in your fucking bag. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So you walk in, spend the money they gave you, plus coupons. Yeah. Like it's crazy. And yeah, and so wherever you would pick, like whatever store you would pick, you would usually get something free. So like H and M, up until very recently, also gave out gift cards to the first hundred people. So wow. All of this has changed shortly right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And of course, during the pandemic, when everything moved completely online, including all of our employment, um, Black mm-hmm. Friday also just made the 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 push to completely go that way. So when yeah, it came and back, it makes the, Black Friday now makes the notion of Cyber Monday hilarious because every day is right? Cyber Monday. Oh my God, what the Cyber Monday is a joke. Cyber okay now in 2023, Cyber Monday is just when you can get 10 percent off less. Then on Black Friday, <laughs> yeah. it's like, did you have a 30% off deal? Check it out on Cyber Monday. It's 20% off. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just like, if you're too late, but you still want to shop, check out Cyber Monday. It's Black Friday, Black Friday as an, as a, as a, why it exists or why it existed then, right? Is to get people in the door of that store that morning. Yeah. Like you yeah. only got the free things when you, you had to pick. And you chose mm-hmm. wisely. So that's why I love this because what I, I was somebody who did line up and have been outside of a store like that. And in this show, in this show, in 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 this movie, they definitely parody Walmart. I like one Black Friday oh, yeah. no no is Walmart on Black Friday. At least for me, like one person for for a, about a seven year streak, six out of those seven years, one person died at a Walmart every Black Friday. Jesus. Um yeah. employee like an employee was trampled to death which is why when it happens in this movie it's like i remember we saw this movie with some friends or i saw this movie first with some friends like this is so unrealistic i'm like no this has literally happened and within the last 10 years what are you Mm -hmm. talking about like in places where this where black friday is a sport you are fighting for your life (laughs) (laughs) so it really to combine the because it's a great it's a great setup Black Friday is a great setup. I don't give a shit that we don't do Black Friday like that anymore. It's a great setup. And then it brings in the very now aspect of Evan's kind of obsessed with going viral online. Mm, and mm-hmm. he sees this stampede as an opportunity to generate content. And so we are blending our sort of Christmas tradition of yore with our behavior of present. And I think it plays very well together. And one other thing to add that I do think bring, makes it feel very fresh in an unfortunate way when you think about um places like uh was it astroworld and it's like and crowd management this they took they take that so you've got the crowd out in front of right mark and they keep doing these close-ups of the pushing of of the pushing of the metal gates because they so stressful they have an amount of space there like you would put at like a festival which is an Mm -hmm. appropriate amount of space so that people don't get hurt and but by putting the Black Friday of it all into it, when this stupid jock gets on the fucking loudspeaker and because he's upset that, by the way, Evan, who is l- like lifting up the deals like their weights out yeah. to, to taunt the crowd. I mean, these kids are being shitty as fuck behind yeah, the they're being shitty. Di- they're being shitty people. I get it. Like Jess's friends, they all deserve it. 
so I'm already here for this. But like yeah. they're they are inside being like, we're here, you're not. And so the people outside are growing more and more angry. And this is why it reminds me of a final destination. You see the close-ups of like the door and the pressure on the yeah. door and then the, and like the 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 metal grates being pushed back. And like it is it's a situation where you know what's coming, but you don't want it to be that it's like, God, but it can't be that. Is it gonna be that? And it yeah. fucking is. Everybody and gets once it once it starts delivering on what it teases. It's every bit as upsetting as you're worried it's going to be. Right. And with all the headlines of these kind of events, especially in the last few years, it's like, God, watching it is, I mean, it's upsetting no matter what, but it feels, um, it takes something that is taking a piece of the past in the way, especially 2000s culture, and yeah. tying it in these ways to right now that I think it feels really fresh um, and horrific. So for me, watching the glass start to break as the security guard is trying to open the door, oh yeah, I cannot forget that feeling when it just bursts. Yeah, and then it, then it like as soon as that happens and the the carnage sort of starts, we're getting very sort of we're getting sort of what is promised by an Eli Roth movie by like a guy gets pushed through the doors and there's a shard of glass sticking out from one of the sides and it rips open his throat and then he's just bumbling around trying to get a waffle maker while his jugular is pumping blood out to his body. Somebody else takes a dive. They get like, they die by like shopping cart induced impact and then a, a piece of their scalp gets ripped off by the a wheel of and that shopping cart. Like it immediately to becomes add, That Eli is Roth Gina Groshan. Yeah. That is Gina Groshan, which by the way, seeing her take the spill kills me because I give me Gina the whole movie please oh I know and, he and she knows. looks great he yeah so not being afraid to take her out in the opening is good and she's there because she cares about her husband she's packed up a little Thanksgiving dinner for him yeah she's brought it she's like hey I know you got called in we're here to support you Patrick Dempsey gave her a ride over like there and because he's there for crowd control because he got the call mm -hmm. this is going to be bad it is bad Evan's standing on top of the cashier thing filming people while Addison's like begging him to come down he mm -hmm. is not he just mm -hmm. really wants to go to some video. And we watch it become horrific. But in, in the most Eli Roth moment, I think, in this is when he shows a guy go and grab the free waffle maker. The guy with the, that gets his jugular slash goes yeah. over and grabs the waffle maker and then dies. And then dies. Yeah. Like, it's like, of is... course, he still picks it up. That's it. That's an Eli Roth film. Yeah, that's the gag. And I think that is I think this movie does live up to what the opening promises. Now, in an era where we get a lot of bad killer masks. Let's cut to yeah. this one year later. So what happens is, and this mask is not bad, to be clear. I think this is a great mask. So mm -hmm. one year later, the the video that Evan swears he didn't post has been posted. It's viral. Everybody's seen the carnage of it and also edited it in a really funny, like very awful way where it's yeah. like, no waffles for this guy. <laughs> you yeah. know, like. And he's fucking dead. Yeah. It's, and then subscribe, like, you know. And so it's mm -hmm. like, it, it's fun. But this is one year later. They're trying to decide if they're going to open the store or not because Rightmart wants to open it. The town's pissed, obviously. Yeah, the town is protesting, like, how dare you prioritize profits over people after the massacre last year on Black Friday? How could you open this store again on the same day one year later? Gina, Gr Gina Gershon's bearded husband is like, I, this, people died in here. My wife died. You know, he's on the news. Yeah, he is the principal Rightmart agitator. So it, it already, there's a lot going on. Then the town is handing out um, John Carver masks. John Carver being like, what was it? The first, uh, like one of the pil like, the pilgrims there. Yeah, he's like one of the town founders. Yes. So, um, and it's it's a great mask. It looks convincingly creepy. It, it totally looks like an American Guy Fox mask. 
Like, it's yes. in American history's Guy Fox mask. Yes, with, like, little curls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I very much enjoyed this. They're handing them out at the diner. And so it's yeah. like, and, and Patrick Dempsey makes a comment like, well, everybody's going to be wearing these today. Or yeah. and it's like, yes. Yeah, because everybody hands them out. You know those towns that capitalize on, like, the one historical claim that they have. And so, like, every, it's like going to an Oktoberfest town and the 7-Eleven is, like, written in script, made to look like it's in a Bavarian hamlet, and it's like a burger shack. Yes. So, we learn, we see the shitty friends hanging out, and um, and we do learn that Bobby is no longer there, because Bobby, in all the carnage, got his arm broken. Like, it got stepped on in what is truly horrific to watch. Yeah, and he's trying to save a person. He's, like, trying to save the security guard who's dying, and he gets his arm broken in the stampede, and then essentially disappears from that day forward and nobody's heard from him again until a year later in the lead up to black friday and so and and because that was his golden arm he has a great motive you know it's like he cannot do what he was so set to do yeah it's like probably a career-ending injury yeah and the news does call it a career-ending injury which i'm like wow cold (laughs) yeah ouch for this for this 16 year old boy fuck so when we meet the friends, they're actually, they become even more insufferable somehow, which I love. But we do meet, yeah. which is a great time. Um, the nerd boyfriend, like the new boyfriend, Joseph, not yeah, Joseph. And, and he's, it, during the initial cold open, he's the new boy in school who has a crush on Jess. And Bobby's like, get lost, dickhead. And then one year later, look who's, look who's not just the new guy anymore. I, I love this guy. He's fine in Thanksgiving. I'm going to tell you why I love him. Yeah. He is in Journey to Bethlehem, the new <laughs> Jesus musical that just hit theaters. Wow. Friends, it's something you probably never thought I would be recommending to you. Please see this Christian movie. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. It Please is, do it. One, the music is great. It is bop after bop. The opening song is called Mary's Getting Married. Mary, you're getting married. It's about to be the best day of your life. Cause maybe married means that I am kissing all my dreams goodbye. Divine institution, a holy union, one sure sign that you are blessed. Aura, life sentence of daily dependence, bickering and yes, steering until death. Mary, 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 there's something you do that's very, 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 very good for you. Mary, 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 makes two hearts in two. It is written by, I guess the songs are written by a guy who did, wrote the originals for Glee, which explains why the music's actually really good. But uh-huh. there is a scene where Joseph, played by this guy in Thanksgiving, what's his name? Milo. Uh, Milo Mannheim. Milo Mannheim. What a great name. Milo Mannheim plays Joseph. So they're they're really, you know, fixing the age gap. Like instead of Joseph being 90 and Mary being 12, they're actually like both, you know, 18 or whatever. And yeah. so, um, but he he plays Joseph where he has this moment where he has to fight himself. In a dream. <laughs> oh my God. Over whether or not he believes that Mary didn't fuck another guy. Guys, this movie. <laughs> wow. So, when you're done watching Thanksgiving, please find the one theater in town that is still playing Journey to Bethlehem and see the, the 10 a.m. showing because it's not playing <laughs> any other time of the day. Trust me, I checked. <laughs> but 
Anyways, back to Milo. So Milo sits down with this shitty group of friends and the way to, because they're all just, they don't care about him. And the way he presses yeah. them successfully is he brings some tickets to a sports game. Yeah, which, he brings them like football tickets that are really hard to get, I guess. And it wins them over. And I'm like, it's a good detail. It's a good character detail. It's like, yeah. oh, I like this guy. He's creative and he's going to win them over. Right? Yeah. So he's doing the work. So we're about to hit Thanksgiving part two. And who is the first kill? It's the waitress, right? It's the waitress at the diner who is one of the biggest instigators of the shitstorm on Black Friday the year before. The waitress, which is every woman who ever babysat for my sister in wow. in New England. That like wow. loud, I can't explain it unless you, it's just, she is, she is a character type. Yeah. It's like cruelty as lovingness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so like she walks up to the table. She's like, all right, what can I get you little shits? And it's like, yeah, this isn't right. Ma. You, you actually have to wait she... here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So it's, and she's, she's still pissed at them obviously because they were like taunting the crowd and she was in the crowd. Right. Yeah. And when she went in, she didn't even realize she was pushing the cart that like, that killed Gina Gershon. Yeah. Because she was so busy fighting with somebody else. So, as as lovable and funny as she is, she's also like you know, the reason Gina's dead. Exactly. So, yeah. So when John Carver, after hours, comes after this woman inside the diner, the kill is appropriately Eli Roth. Oh yeah, absolutely. He fr- and this movie, this movie's giving you entrails. This movie's giving you skin pulled off the body. Yes. This movie is giving you people being roasted alive. Like he like, wets her face and sticks deliberate. it to the freezer to hold yeah. her in place. That's really great. So good. So creative. So I to me, the deaths in this movie are, and I'm not like a gore hound, but I love creativity, right? Yeah. And they're 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 gory in the way that the like we, you know, what we've praised so much and talked about, like the super psycho sweet 16 deaths could be really graphic. Yes. But like it's gory in the way that a girl is roller skating and gets her head chopped off. At a 16th birthday party and continues roller skating into the cake. Yes. Like, that's the kind of gory this movie is. So, in the process, like, what they realize is, like, okay, well, she was at the thing. They, he mu- The killers must be going after people who are at the thing, at the Black yeah. Friday thing. So, um, which is fun because it's, like, okay, sure, right away. But, I mean, they do send yeah. a pretty strong message, right? Because they put half of her on top of the Right Mart uh, yeah. sign. Was it and it was it was fifty percent off. He's yeah because John Carver has like killer John Carver has created an Instagram profile where he is lightly chronicling his journey and he's tagging our little ensemble of teens to draw their attention to the bad things he's doing and essentially warn them like I'm coming for you and when he posts an image of the bottom half of this waitress's body set on top of Right Mart it says like something something like Black Friday fifty percent off. And here we have half a person. Outstanding. And I love the happy birthday to me vibes of like having this dinner party that he's tagging them in. Yeah. As he is, and as the kills are happening, he is building out a Thanksgiving dinner party where he's putting the remnants of people that he has killed around the table, which does very much call to mind the Canadian slasher happy birthday to me, which I think is a great tableau. So... Jess is like, okay, this footage, the security footage of who was there and everything has been missing, I guess, for a year because actually Kathleen deleted it. But okay. Uh, Like, they're like, oh, it was malfunctioning that night. So she sneaks out the security footage and brings it to Patrick Dempsey. And she's like, 
here's everybody that was there or these printouts. She took printouts of the security footage. Yeah. And, um, and then the last printout she hands him reluctantly, by the way, she's teamed up with Bobby now because he's back in town. He's going to help her and stand with her and whatever. So, yeah. and she's like, she reluctantly hands him the last one and it's Joseph from journey to Bethlehem. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and she's like, Mary's husband was here. Wow. And he's wow, hugging guys. the security guard and he had just gotten done saying that he didn't know the security guard. So Yeah, he's, what, saying he's like, I didn't know anybody there. I'm new guy in town. I will say what this movie's doing successfully here is what Scream did so successfully is a successful whodunit without being distracting. I think that mm-hmm. once Scream happened, and tell me how you feel about this, friend, but I feel like once mm. Scream happened, all the slashers became whodunits, and I don't think they did it very well because it was either way too whodunit, and then it took yeah. away from the slasher. Or it didn't really matter, and suddenly there was like a twist at the end where it's like, well, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I guess they done it. Yeah, it's like, uh, what was the teaching line? I mean, it's just like, yeah. Anyways, uh, it's it, this. This has heft. This is uh-huh. a story that I feel like skates really well between horror and mystery. Like it's I, like the whole time I was guessing. Like there was a point where I thought it was Kathleen. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, well, oh yeah, well, sh- I really, I'm, I'm such a perfect mark for, for, like a whodunit kind of thing because I never know, I never know. I'm, I'm, I'm not guessing while it's happening. By the time it comes around, I'm like, wow, you don't say. That's so, <laughs> so I am a perfect target for these kinds of things. My brain like shuts off from trying to solve a mystery. I just take the pieces I'm given. Film is a collaborative medium. Film That's what I was medium. thinking. That reveal. Where at? Listen, friends, you know how much I love it. It's in the fucking intro of this show. <laughs> yeah. Is it completely earned? Eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it earned in that that guy's a dick, so you'd believe he would do bad things? Okay. Yeah. Is it earned if you've ever had a professor? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And this, 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 uh, the like the very sad backstory element of how the murderous spirit of the killer came to be—a great reveal. And also, we love a very sad backstory. And. As we're piecing together what this backstory is, we get yeah. two very good deaths at the high school. Two of the key, uh, at a local at the other high school, the yeah. um, fuck Hanover High School. Hanover, yeah, yes. Um, the, a cheerleader and um, one of the jocks is taken uh, by the yeah, killer. and he's actually not even a jock anymore. It's the guy that Evan punched, at the, who was from Hanover at the at like the cold open, who they were talking about like fuck that guy, and now he's graduated and he's still there as like a strength coach for the team. And as a graduate who's probably 19 years old, is dating a high school cheerleader there. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows it, which is like, ooh. Yeah, and they think it's great. Yeah. So she's like, hey, fuck time. And he's like, okay. So then he follows her yeah. out because they're going to go sleep together in the gym. And he sits and she's going to, but first, she's going to do a performance. Yeah. And so she gets onto a trampoline and and begins to do a trampoline striptease, which, by the way, hilarious. Because, like, is there anything more camp than this? Like, <laughs> I love when people take something completely not sexy and add it to something sexy. Like, that's like when people try and make Christmas sexy. Well, isn't it just, like, such a perfect demonstration, too, of, like, heterosexual seduction that, like, we're still... We can still put girls jumping in trampolines in something and and play it as, like, this is sex time for these two people. Yes. When, like, that was the the closing bit of the man show. That's what I was going to say. I don't think they were ever sexy. Anybody on a trampoline isn't sexy. Your junk is pounding up and down. No, that's not hot. <laughs> yeah. That's like just, it's just gravity. You know, it's yeah, like, it's weird looking. To me, it's the idea that Hooters is sexy. It's the same shit. Hooters is not sexy. People with like inch thick spandex leggings 
And like <laughs> underneath yeah, their that's shorts. Like, those leggings are like A-list pop star tour leggings. I'm sorry. They are made of plaster. I mean, even they would even survive an era where you can't show ankle. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like the, the uniforms at Hooters are for gay people. They are not <laughs> yeah. for straight men. And that's how I feel about a trampoline seduction. That's for me. That's not for and him. And I also like... I also appreciate, like, this is another where, like, I'm glad I didn't see the movie from the, like, Grindhouse trailer for this. Because in the Grindhouse trailer, there's a girl on a trampoline who's, like, jumping up and down for her boyfriend. And she lands, like, vagina first down on a blade. Right. And this girl never actually does that. She and does I not. didn't actually really want to see that. I did not want to see that want, either. Like, I didn't want, like, a vaginal blade pre- penetration. But it's a really good kill. Through use of the knife and the trampoline. It's so fucking good. It's so horrific. And like every time she jumps up and down, the knife comes up in a different place. And it's like, (gasps) I loved it. It's It's great. So, of course, having those two out, we know that this is serious. Addison Rae and her hunky boyfriend, who is nine feet taller than her, are walking through the school. He like easily touches the ceiling as they pass through a door in a way that only boys do. I love it. I'm like. Absolutely. You got it. You touch the door frame. Touch anything above you. So good. Any Anything. (laughs) <laughs> the so it's it's feeling very convincing to me yeah um like because i i remember watching that even both times i'm like i wonder if that was a detail that the actor brought to it that was scripted or that eli did but like Seriously. somewhere along the way that moment got buoyed up yeah because both are so possible yeah and then he could have just like he could have just on instinct just reached up and touched the door and it's like well of course he did and addison ray cosplaying billy eilish like in those giant <laughs> jeans as she's walking down the hallway i love it i'm like oh my god i love this like short boy he's about to fuck i'm yeah. into this couple like honestly i fucking love them yeah so yeah. I, they're, they're a perfect high school couple they're like brb And Jess is hanging out in the high school hallway and she texts them and she hears the sound. Oh, basically the two get kidnapped and then they're like, come here. So she texts and she hears the sound come from inside the school, goes into it. John Carver shows up in a horrific, by the way, times two, because the jump scare on the Addison Ray walk when he jumps out had me out of my seat. (laughs) The jump scare where we even see him come up behind her, cut forward to the phone she's looking back and cut back to him. So good. Still, I knew he was there. Yeah, we know. We all knew he was there. And and her 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 right. And I but thought it was so like good. I thought it was cool that there was like a there's clearly like a cosmetology class in this school. Oh my god! Yeah, where like it's a room full of like mannequins and stuff. It's like you know what? That's a practical skill. I'm glad that's an option for students. But it's a room filled with mannequin heads for hairstyling, and Jess hides herself as a mannequin head. This, and I thought that was an outstanding visual. It was so fun. And and they they were also all hanging out in the manne- mannequin headroom earlier, which I was like, yeah. okay, I like this. Like, I like that they're setting it up at least to exist yeah. in this universe. Yeah, you're very good point. But, Austerian fans, I would like to hear from you. Did you have a cosmetology school in your high school? That's what I was like. Is this like a, like, is this a new thing? Is this like, is this a vocational training program? Because I thought it was great. Right. Because, I mean, there was shop, right? And so if there's shop, there could be hair cutting. Yeah, I, I buy cosmetology. It. Listen, I will say, in my high school drama class, we did have plastic mannequin heads lying around, but people just drew on them. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I was watching it and I was like, oh, are they backstage? And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. That's not normal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is. So watching her hide in that, great. The scene where she like is trying to get, like she has good fight in her. She's good yeah, at hiding. She does. She's got good fight. She gets out. It's very much the Sydney when she like goes out to pick her nose uh-huh. scene and yeah. then like narrowly escapes the killer and then like Dewey shows up holding the mask at the door. 
So Patrick yeah. Dempsey is there and they're all like picking up the pieces outside. It is this, it's that moment. And it yeah. works. And I like, I Patrick Dempsey hits the right tone for me this entire movie. Agreed. Agreed. Because he's, I'm so glad Patrick Dempsey made this movie. Who is the killer from um, Scream, The Last Scream? The dad. Uh, With the, the last one in six? Yes. What is his Dermot name? Mulroney. Dermot Mulroney. I knew I was going to say it wrong. I keep saying his name wrong. Like like Dermot Moni. Dermot. Yeah. Dermot. <laughs> yeah. Dermot Mo- it, it, yeah. I think I called yeah. him McDermott at movie night. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't D- know. Yeah. Mc- Dylan Dylan McDermott and, D- and Dermot Mulroney often often mentally confused. Listen, I love that guy. I loved him in uh, in my best friend's wedding. Exactly. I fell in love then, and I'll love him till the day I die. We just saw him in um, Flesh and Blood, which is the Thanksgiving movie that was made for Into the Dark. And, oh, that's right. And what I love about that is he is chewing up the scenery. I mean, this guy is putting on a performance, and he gives it to us like he gives us at the end of Scream. Now, Patrick... Well, and those are two... Dermot Mulroney and Patrick Dempsey are two sort of heartthrob or, like, sexy adult yes. leading men. Yes. And Patrick Dempsey was even, like, like a young, like, almost like a kid heartthrob. Like, you go back to the movie Lover Boy, where he plays a pizza delivery boy splash gigolo, which was a real house favorite in our house growing up. But, like, I love the, ex- it seems like, really excited embrace of subverting their haughty man yes. um, pasts to really go into these genre roles that let them be so much less composed and careful and conscious of their probably looks that like, and these are two still sexy men, but like, these are not roles that demand in their totality that their sexiness be their prevailing quality. And I'm so glad it's like, you know, it's their exploitation era. It's yes, their turning to whatever it. happened to baby Jane. That's why I want to bring it up. I love this like older man turn where it's like, we're going to get this hottie by the way, still totally worth loving. Here he is. Yeah. And and like I I love the turn in Scream Six. I love that mm-hmm. they get to actually be over the top, something they never yes. really were in the, earlier in their careers, and get to play this thing that just is yeah. so larger than life. And so seeing that happen in this movie yeah. is the same. Because Patrick Dempsey is so reserved, right, as we're going. Oh yeah. And and like very loving. And like God damn, that man still has that twinkle in his eye. He does. Jesus. And the wholesome delivery. He's still McDreamy, you guys. He He's is still McDreamy. What I love about this, the particular way he does sexy in this movie, is it's so daddy sexy. It's just like, oh, yeah. I want to I wanna take care of you, Jess. I want to make sure <laughs> yeah. everything's okay. Like, he's just yeah. like... The whole movie, you feel like he's her uncle. Yeah, he's so involved. I was like, wait, is this this guy's... Is this... Is this... She has... Is she his niece? Yeah. And we, like, we're just never getting the connection that, like, her dad and this guy are brothers? Yeah, are they and fucking like, oh, no, related? He just cares. He's just the cop who cares. So he helps them, of course, con- concoct this crazy plan that they're going to go to the parade, the Thanksgiving parade, and sir, and to lure the killer out because they don't... Because Jess, as she says, which, by the way, hint that she's a final girl number one. Jess is like, no, we got to lure him out, right? Because, like, yeah. we otherwise we'll oh, be looking yeah. over our shoulder for the rest of our lives. And I'm like, yes, Jess, that's my girl. Let's do it. And I really liked the combination, like, the the dynamic among the friend group where you have the guys go off in these sort of, like, harebrained, like, we're going to get fucking guns. We're going to fuck this guy up. Yes. Like, they're like, the cops aren't going to do shit. Like, they are ready to roughhouse with this murderer. But they do end up actually listening to their friends slash girlfriends when they're like, this isn't a game. Yep. We need to pull back from this. And they never actually go off half-cocked. Until they, they truly feel like they're backed into a corner and they have no other choice. So there's there's a very believable and, like, 
horror-friendly irrationality and impulsiveness to some of the characters in this. But then there's also a, a grounded pulling back of them to be like, hey, let's also just understand that we're like kids and can we please just let the cops deal with this? And I appreciated the balance that they struck in this. I agree. And I think there are small details that help ground them as kids. Like like yeah. Yulia, one of the friends that we didn't bring up because she doesn't play a huge role, but just is so fantastic when she's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yulia's dad scoops her up because he's like, seems to be like maybe a Russian mobster. <laughs> I feel like a perfect Eli Roth detail of this movie is that when we meet Yulia's dad, he shows up. In a G-Wagon, matte black G-Wagon, is clearly some sort of Russian, like... He is an actual... like a Russian organized crime guy. He's a stakeholder in Hostel. Yeah, he's wearing a gold (laughs) chain and a tight t-shirt. He's only speaking Russian, and he shows up long enough to snatch Yulia off the street, throw her in the car, and she's, like, pleading with him in Russian to let her go, and he's like, we go to Florida. And they speed off, and Scuba's... And Jess is like, what the fuck was that? And Scuba's like... I don't know. That's the most conversation I've ever had with him. And it's like, what the fuck is this detail? And throwing in a random Russian criminal, rich Russian criminal wearing a gold chain as a side character in a movie, peak Eli Roth. Absolutely. And like you said, he could have been part of the hunting club in Hostel. He's an extra from that movie. For sure. I mean, he might be the new owner. I don't know. That's what he like, could be. He, he seems to have some money, but they're going to Florida. So yeah. But before they do, and they're packing up, and I love this detail, and this is what makes it feel like a kid. Like, when she opens her contact lens case, it's like two little frog heads with little eyes. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's so cute. And convincing. And, he sets up, and you're so right about, like, the final, the final destination, destination of it. this movie. It sets up so many final destination moments where you're like, not the eyes, not the eyes. They keep going and to it, a close-up of not her. The, yeah. And it's not the eyes that you actually have to worry about. Although she does give a hint because she pulls out a Q-tip next and you're like, oh, fuck. It's yeah, going to be the ears. Yeah, when the Q-tip comes, you're like, no, God, not that. And, and of well, course, God, sorry, guys, little corn that. husk holders right into the eardrums. There we go. Oh, God. So yeah. when they go to this this like parade and they're trying to pull it off, which, by the way, the parade ma- like the parade deaths that happen, like the death of the guy driving, all these things, like just worth it. Not even, I mean, just, just watch. It's, yeah, it's so fun. It's just a great sequence. But then this killer clown comes out of the, like, with a terrifying mask. Yeah, a, a, like, a killer clown in truly in the sense of killer clowns from outer space. Like, that kind of clown. Just, like, interrupts this parade during where there are some clowns and, like, performers. And then, you know, throws a flash grenade into the car. <laughs> and darts the family, uh, Dad, Jess, and who else is with her? Oh, Scuba. Dad, it's Dad, Jess, Scuba, and Kathleen. Yes, and Kathleen. So they all get darted and taken away to where this this feast is. And yeah. this is yeah. where... The staging... He has staged all of them around a table, except Kathleen. Because he has another plan for Kathleen. Friends, what comes next is Kathleen's redemption. It truly is. Because, like, Kathleen's... She's a character that, like, you would be like, oh, she's the worst. Because she's not actually doing anything evil stepmother in this movie she's just annoying stepmother and you know she's like marrying for money but she's not the kind of character that's gonna try and fucking kill the dad for the for the will right like she just she's like oh kathleen's the worst everybody has that partner where they made the wrong everybody a friend where the partner made the wrong choice it's usually somebody's dad and in this case it's jess's dad 
it's just his dad who is also at this point like she's she has she is dealing with the fact that like her dad doesn't listen to her her dad never has time for her they never have time to be alone together and we have up to this point in this movie we have gotten a scene where he has come to her and been like after your mom died I was so dead inside and I didn't know what to do and then when I met Kathleen I felt alive again and I was willing I guess to overlook any flaws that might exist and I did that at your expense and they have a really nice little touching hug they don't ever do it and then she's just like I love you dad and goes away and is like you know what and he smiles very warmly and so like hey man he's a dad doing his best yeah she's a woman who had an opportunity just as a kid coping and so by the time we get to the Thanksgiving table we have like I feel like a really good feeling for the tree like the triangular relationship of this unit and when we see Kathleen waking up from being tranked and getting basted yeah. by the killer while she pretends to still be asleep we don't necessarily love Kathleen he is buttering Kathleen's feet for his friend Quentin Tarantino to watch on film yes um yes. but then but but completely yeah basing her we've got rock salt and pepper and like all this stuff it's so fun to watch but it's horrific oh, it's because you know obviously what's coming but she wakes up you know she's playing dead until she can finally sneak off and when she does, this scene is so harrowing. Like, what? A, we get a tremendous cat and mouse scene where suddenly you find yourself rooting for Kathleen. A lot of critiques on Scream films lately have been, specifically, I think Scream 5 was just not enough cat and mouse. And I think cat and mouse is something that has kind of gone away in slashers. Um, mm-hmm. Like, that we have the essence of it or the Bath and Body Works spray of it, but like not actually the event, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. it, it's, it's, Cat and Mouse is Black Friday and Slashers. Yeah. But in this movie, we get a lot of Cat and Mouse. And this scene we in do particular. Actually, we get a lot of we it. We do. We get the high school Cat and Mouse, right? The Sydney Prescott moment that we were talking about yeah. earlier. And the, and this especially. And even and honestly. Yulia is a bit of. Yulia, Yulia is a little bit of that as well. The way it is. plays with it through like. We, because like dad's in the house, we have to neutralize dad, we have to neutralize the security guard. We're going back and forth from Yulia to the other people in the house. Like, and it's doing this in a movie that's an hour and 47 minutes long. We're not wasting on a ton of time with these things. No. We're just making good use of the space. Agreed. And honestly, the scene with Kathleen is so long. And it is. It is. And which is magical. It does not need to be cut. It doesn't need to be shorter. This is the length it should be. We never get that kind of real estate for somebody who's not the final girl. And so to and have over her. Over and over again, we get her making good choices that with every choice yes. she makes, we as the audience are like, yes, Kathleen. Yes, Kathleen. She did something at one point. The guy in front of us in the theater goes, she's a magician. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she is so fucking smooth. Yes. And it's just, and But not in a way that's like. Nobody could do that. It feels just like a really savvy person trying to save the trying to save their own ass. Yes. I think making her which is interesting, right? Because we never get any resolution between her and Jess. And yet, because we see her making good choices, because we see her being smart and relying on her intellect to survive this situation and yeah. almost make it out. Like it's it's enough to And she also she finds a fridge that has a person in it and she opens the fridge and sees them and they're pleading, like, help me, help me. And when she closes that door and is like, I'm, I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna come back. Shh. I truly believe that Kathleen was not gonna leave that girl there to die. Same. I think that what we got was we got to see the part of Kathleen that maybe the dad was attracted to. Yeah. And we didn't get to see yeah. before. And that no. made me like and care about her because it's like, oh, Kathleen is a fighter. Kathleen's a survivor. Okay. Yeah. Because this this stuff doesn't just happen to people, right? No. So I underestimate a woman in Kathleen. a small town. And I love that the best. movie allowed for us to. Yep. Yep. I, the fact that, and like, Sorry, guys. Kathleen doesn't quite make it. She gets it out the fucking door. But then we get a great, like, we get a great, um, like, hey, pitchfork through the back moment. 
And you're like, oh, great move. Tough loss, Kathleen. You really worked for it. We were we were all rooting for you, Kathleen. I didn't see that character trait or whatever coming. And like, I'm glad the movie, yeah. I'm glad the movie didn't let on early that that's the case. Yeah, no. Because I really enjoyed I'm glad, that. I'm so glad that this movie lets its characters be more character. Like, yes! Like, just period. This slasher movie that is, again, it's 147 minutes. It's an Eli Ross slasher movie based on a trailer from a grindhouse set of movies that came out in the 2000s. And almost was like a, it feels like a lark that was made into a film. This movie is like, hey, what if our characters got to be more character? And I'm going to like that choice every fucking time. No joke. I'm going to walk away from this being like, how do I write more Kathleen's into my stories? Because, my that, God. You know what? If you're not doing as much for your Kathleen as this movie is, you need to do a little more for your Kathleen. Agreed. I it, I mean, it really sets a high bar for side characters and their dispatching, right? Because it's like, even people who only had a moment in the sun <laughs> in this film yeah. really get all the, you know, like, surprisingly, actually, like, the, the coach guy or whatever, his death is just a head turn, but yet yeah. the girlfriend gets the whole trampoline sequence. So it's like... I just feel like we get these actual scenes. It's not just knocking people off to get to an ending, which I think is what makes slashers feel stale, right? Yeah. Where we're just, it's just, okay, got to get through them, got to get through them so we can whittle it down to one. In this one, it really was every part of the adventure is a horror film. Yeah. And it, and then you have, then you just have like the great tableau of the fucking Thanksgiving table and everybody's tied up, everybody's gagged. And you know what? The killer is throwing out one-liners while he is oh getting God, ready brilliant. to dispatch everybody at the table. And you know what? The jokes work. They're good. I, the whole live stream scene. Those I improv like classes compelling. that the killer has been taking have been paying off. Yeah. That tight five is coming together. Him cutting it like, and again, not wanting to see the movie that the trailer would have been exactly. I didn't need to see like Kathleen's whole parts displayed while she's like been roasted and tied up on the table like a bird. She's still covered up by her clothes. She's still covered by her clothes. And, like, we don't see John Carver fucking her corpse. Thank God. And when he cuts, he cuts off a piece of her thigh to feed to the dad. And she looks, for the record, she looks horrific. Like, it is awful to look at. Yeah, it's, it's awful. And he feeds the dad. And, like, I feel like in an... If this were an Eli Roth movie of 2009, 2008, he would have then laboriously given us a shot of the dad having to, like, bit by bit yes. eat the thigh I was expecting of that. And there would have been, like, snot during the crying. Yep. There would have God, been right. intense Foley artistry of every bite. But this time, he just drops the meat on the plate in front of him, and we just have to watch this guy fucking cope with the fact that he's being told to either eat his dead wife or die. Yeah. And I will say, the fact that he didn't, like, pretend like he wasn't going to do it either is nice. Like, you see that Jess, Kathleen, and her dad are all people who are willing to do what it takes, which is surprising. Yeah, they are. And even, like, to the the way that Jess is able to break out of the table, like, there's a shitty guy in town who's, like, you know... He's the guy who graduated forever ago, and now he, like, sells alcohol to teens. His dad owns the gun store. He's a total shitbird. But, like, right as Jess and Scuba are putting themselves in harm way to be the bait on the Thanksgiving float, he runs up to her. Like, he's been a, the McCarty. M- McCarty's been a shithead this entire movie. Just a local zero, total wastoid. And for the record, again, McCarty is the one person 
that uses one gay slur in this movie. I hate it, but it wouldn't be an Eli Roth movie if somebody didn't get called a cocksucker. Yeah. But and he I, and he even he like he has like a tender moment with Scuba and Jess yes. when they're like, "Listen, we need guns to protect ourselves." And you see a moment where he is just a real person with yes. them. And he's still a shithead who is a bankrupt individual in many ways. But then when he sees Jess getting this one, he runs up, he's like, hey, this is why this was my dad's ring in Iraq. And it, he says it kept him alive. And if you want to wear it for good luck, like you can take it, which is a really kind of profound gesture to give someone. And I will add, because I didn't notice this the first time, when we're introduced to his character, it's because he shoots off gunpowder outside of a school. And because it's supposed yeah. to be like the celebration, whatever shot, you know, it's just gunpowder. Yeah, like it's. But yeah, it's a it's an old musket, and this is a pioneer. This is like a Plymouth Pioneers town. So like, you fire off the musket for a victory. Immediately, his dad's like to, to Patrick Dempsey, "Sorry, my son's an idiot," which is funny. Yeah. But later, when he hands the ring to them and he says, "This saved my dad's life in Iraq," when he walks away, his dad is there, and I didn't even notice that before. Yeah. And he puts his arm around his son and pats him on the back, and he's like, "Good job, son." Something like that. And it was like a really tender moment where you're like, "Wow, I actually love all of this." And it's really nice because earlier he offers Jess a gun, but she's like, nah, you know, Scuba's got one and I'm close to him, which is like, what girl? And then he's like, well, at least take this tactical belt. When you open it up, it's got a knife. And she's like, I'm good. So when he gives her this this ring. He's like, I got all kinds of tactical shit here. You can take any of it you want. So it does. When he hands her the ring, we're all like, what is it going to do? Yeah. Which I love. I mean, obviously, obviously it's a tender moment and works as a tender moment, but also, like, I'm kind of hoping it does something. So when it does do something, she yeah. she plays with it knowing that he has tactical shit. Yeah. And so a little blade pops out of it, and she's able to cut her, her ropes free. And she's sitting next to Scuba, so she's able to pass it to him, and he cuts his ropes free. Which, Jordan, and by the then, way, nobody ever does in fucking horror. She yeah. hands him the thing so he can free himself, and they double-team him. And it's it, smart. Like... Yeah, so they're able to, like, and when they break themselves free, like, they don't try and fight the killer. They're trying to run. And dad is, dad and Addison both are screaming, run, run, run yes. get out Yes, not of screaming for them to help them. They are saying, yeah. go run. Go, go, go. Yeah, so, save yourself. Again, I'm sorry. And I'm so, just pointing this stuff out because it's so different than the horror stuff that I feel like easy writing is. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it takes the cheap way out. And for a movie like this that absolutely could and you would expect it, could, it to. And it'd be fine. And it'd be fine. And that's exactly that's exactly what that's the kind of movie's allowed to do. And so it's a fun little twist on that. And so then, like we, you know, they get free. Jess is now like scuba gets axed to... hard. Yeah, like in but survives because he has to keep going. Wound. Right, but it it looks awful. And because the killer has to take off after Jess, he really does leave the others behind. Yep. And doesn't take care of business in a way that he could. And that, like, sets up the final showdown that we will have in a wonderful warehouse setting. Yeah, and and the showdown, is it every showdown in a horror movie where there's like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's not, that must be the killer because he's setting up a trap, blah, 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 fine. But where does this movie set itself apart? It's actually what happens after the showdown. Well, after the presumed showdown. Yeah. So Patrick Dempsey has shot Bobby and they can't find him because they think Bobby's the killer or whatever. He set it yeah. up that way. And then, but but our our brilliant heroine, Jess, who is alone in the office with a couple of the evidence bags laid out on the table, like they're wrapping up and yeah. stuff. She asked Patrick Dempsey for a moment. And it's because she noticed that on his shoes, there are like briar things stuck into it, just like she's been pulling out of her pants because she just ran through the woods. That means yeah. he did too. And that's how she figures out it was him. So yeah. he comes back into the office 
And he starts doing his whole killer spiel, like, you should see the surprised look on your face. And yeah, does his and thing. he gives us his motivation, that tragedy. He was having an affair with Gina Gershon. She is trembling. She looks, I mean, she, and she's cornered. And there's yeah. a huge axe on the wall by Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. So it's like, he's a cop who is armed and, there, and she has nothing around her. Yeah. And then she pulls out what she's been hiding behind her back because she's like, you know, I never told you what I was thankful for because he had asked the guests earlier. Yeah. And he's like, what's that? And she's like, the service in here. And it's the phone (laughs) from the evidence bag. And she's been she took Bobby's phone and she knows Bobby's password probably because she used to date Bobby. And she has been live streaming his entire villain monologue. And says, you should see the surprise look on your face. And friends, that's what I'm talking about. That is how you take a final girl and make her an icon. You, a final girl by definition is somebody who survives the movie. But when you get a Sydney Prescott type, that's because of yeah. that moment. She took that yeah, moment because, and it's she's someone you want to go with and do a sequel. Yes, I want to be in another movie with this girl. Like she, yeah. she didn't just survive. She also has that thing inside her that's a little bit spiteful. <laughs> that <laughs> that is down to lean into the revenge, you know. And and it's yeah. fun. It's fucking fun. And she. Obviously, she's been t- she's been talking about her needing to fire a musket as a kid forever. So we're like, okay, Chekhov's yeah. musket. We're ready for it. Yeah. But what I love, this is so dumb. But like when she goes, so she fills up a, a hot air balloon, the hot air balloon turkey with like gas that's going to explode so that she can, as yeah. they're pulling away, Scuba's driving the, or not, Bobby's driving the tow truck away and she's in the back and they're, she's going to shoot it so she can blow him up. And yeah. she drops all the musket balls. So she takes off her little mom bracelet. And yep. she stuffs kisses it in. Kisses it like she does it. before bed every night. Mm-hmm. And she shoots it at the turkey, not him, which is brilliant because the turkey explodes. Yeah, and the turkey's probably like 15 feet tall. And listen, this is still a movie called Thanksgiving. So watching Patrick Dempsey walk around ominously from the other side of a giant, colorful, inflatable turkey holding an axe that he's about to kill somebody with, that's what we oh, need in a movie called Thanksgiving. That's what I wanted to point out earlier when I, when I brought up the thing about Scream 6 and that villain. It's just this moment, this turn. Patrick Dempsey chewing up the scenery. That's what oh, I'm yeah. here for. I yeah. love his turn. I love I love the little one-liners when he's masked and talking, like you said, and, and like we talked about, his UCB experience. But like, oh, yeah. I love him as this villain walking around that act. Me too. It is a It is a moment, and he takes advantage of every second of it. And of course, the like the turkey explodes. No one could have survived that, but they can't find the body. So like you know, the, like you know, as soon as they don't find the body, that Patrick Dempsey made it out. He's probably burned to a crisp, scarred irreparably. And they've also shown then, all the firemen leaving fully masked because they were like, "Hey, do you remember the Halloween trailer for Halloween yeah. Halloween uh, Kills? Let's show it to you again. He might get out. Yeah, <laughs> let's show it to you again. And then in a perfectly and, Eli Roth ending. And we learn also that uh, Scuba. Abby and her dad have all made it. Yes, out. yes, which is also surprising. Really glad about it. Me too. We still get a high body count in this movie while being able to keep the people we've come to care yeah, about. Yeah, because I will also say I didn't love Scuba in the first third of the movie, but it was as mm-hmm. the like once the other jock was out of the way and we got to know him, he was great, which honestly isn't that always the case. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like I would love to see Scuba in another movie. I would love to see Addison Ray in another movie. I would yeah. love to see Jess return with that character. And we are so lucky because they did announce yesterday, at least at the time of this recording, um, they, had just re- they had just announced the sequel to this. 
And I, as soon as, as soon as this credit started rolling, I was going sequel, sequel, like give me a sequel. I want the Thanksgiving franchise. I have X'd out in my head the Eli Roth ending. That's like very hostile. Like if you remember in hostile, there's like a nightmare he wakes up from. So Eli Roth is like, oh, let's do that again. And so he has uh, Jess wake up with a nightmare where Patrick Dempsey on fire pulls her into a closet. The scare's fine. It's not really worth it. Could have just ended with our friends living and like being excited for a sequel, but sure. Um, I have already deleted that from my memory. <laughs> That's not the movie as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't matter. It's a dream. The only time anybody's ever allowed to do that is Carrie 2 because that dream was art. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it, once you're in a, cat, a Carrie 2, put a hat on a hat. Put a hat on a hat. And I'm, they keep they keep Ryan around in this one. I, oh, what I, I forgot like about, about that. Ryan yes. around in this one jo- Mary, is that by the way, think, Joseph, Mary's husband, yeah. Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, Mary's husband Ryan keeps is stucking around, and I hope that means he's here for the sequel because I that makes him a perfect murder fodder for the sequel to me. Like I, you right. I want to see Ryan die, so I can see Ryan die in two. I hope. Oh, that's um, a good point. But I do like I don't necessarily love that she stays with Ryan because he doesn't. He's kind of he kind of sucks. But also, I like that she doesn't get back with Bobby either because he's still I didn't completely like banished her with Bobby. on her a year ago. Yeah, and she's like, hey, you still did leave me a year ago, and I like that he's like, like. I got to go back to school, but, like, I'll see you later. And, to the, and that they part on – they just part on good terms. That's all. To the movie's credit, there's a moment where actually both guys fuck up. And, by the way, all of their play back and forth, their whole machismo thing where they're, like yeah. – it's actually really fun and well-written. But when they yeah. both kind of, like – when it all escalates, she's, like, I don't want to talk to either of you. And there's even a moment yeah. where she looks at her phone and there's, like, five missed calls from each of them. And it's, like, I love that because she's committed to not making bad choices. You know, and so yeah. neither of them really fit the bill. And sure, she ends up back with the guy that she was still dating and they're lying in bed in a dream. But She's like, also still in high school. Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, God, it, it's fine. You know what I mean? There's It's fine. It's fine. There's like six guys in Plymouth and most of them are dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Seriously. Cut her a break. Yeah. Well, hopefully she gets a new locket in the second one. I'm very excited to see what she writes in that one because she's got a I'm longer really, list now. I'm really, and I hope like... You know, I hope this movie just stays with that sort of 96 mile an hour fastball kind of sensibility. Just like send it to me as a clean strike. And like, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to have more bells and whistles. It doesn't need to be more interesting. I obviously hope that it makes audacious choices for a sequel because that's what you want to see. But like this movie committed to its pulpiness in the first one in the way that like Malignant committed to its pulpiness. Mm. And we as the audience, I think we're highly rewarded for that. So I hope that's exactly what we get. In the second one, a movie that commits to its pulpiness and doesn't try to reinvent the wheel, but tries to be the a best version of this sort of wheel on this kind of horror car yes. in, the, in the 2020s. And I will say, I think it was really smart. This is no shade to Eli Roth. Not that I have to protect that man. But yeah, it's really smart that he didn't write it. Because yeah. he wrote... Cabin Fever, all the hostile, like, or the hostels that he directed, Green Inferno, like, those are movies that he wrote. So that he didn't write this, that he just directed it, I think was smart. It let him do the thing that he does well, which are all these yeah. things that we're complimenting, right? But the writing yeah. itself, leave that to somebody who kind of understands 2023 a little better than you do. I think that's good. I think that's, I think that's great. And if, you know, I think like maturation is a really condescending word, but if this is an evolution of this director that I have a challenging relationship with as a filmmaker, I'm happy to see areas that I consider development that I find to be positive as a career goes on and not just going back and forth and hitting the same gong over and over and over, and over again for sensational purposes. 100% agree. 
Well, happy Thanksgiving, friend. And uh, I'm excited to Christmas with you. I'm excited to Christmas with you. And I'm so excited that we Thanksgiving together. Yeah, Thanksgiving.baby. <laughs> Goodbye.